0: Before we start this week's episode, I've got a quick message for you. If you've been listening along to the last several episodes, then you've probably heard me give a plug for the Discover Your Inner Awesome Masterclass, our 10-week online personal brand bootcamp. And I'm bringing it up again here because there's something that came out in a recent episode we did. If you heard the one with Colt Cabana, the pro wrestler, live from Tech Week, he mentioned something in that episode that I think is really important. And he talked about basically how when he got fired from the WWE, the premier organization in professional wrestling, that was his wake-up moment that he saw he could be just let go at a moment's notice, And from that point forward, he made a proactive decision to build his own brand so he could stand on his own two feet. See, the only thing you have at the end of the day that is wholly yours is your name. And perhaps over the years, you've let other people take control over your name. Now it's time to take back control. What does your name stand for? What does your name represent? How do you make sure your name carries value and that you're not at the whim of one employer's decision to randomly hire or fire you? You give yourself options, freedom, and flexibility. If that's interesting to you, then I want you to work on your personal brand with us and join the Discover Your Inner Awesome Masterclass, our 10 week online personal brand bootcamp. Our course comes with lifetime membership to over 25 hours of video material along with guided worksheets and homework. You also get lifetime membership to a very supportive community of like-minded individuals working on their brands, working on their goals alongside you. So if the Discover Your Inner Awesome Masterclass sounds enticing, if you want to build a dope personal brand, join us and apply at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. On now with our show.
1: Again, Seinfeld reference, where he's like, hello. hello! La la la! I've never been put in
0: such a vulnerable position. I'm pressing hard now just to feel the ignition. my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Idea Lemon's Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. Raj Nation. I'm the Idea Lemon co-founder and your show's co-host. And as always, I've got alongside me, Martin McGovern, a.k.a. Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions, the questions that help us better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. Now, this episode is, drumroll please, the season four finale, and not only that, it is part two of a two-part series. If you missed last week with Katherine Hill, go back and listen to that first This one is the part two to that episode So we're back with Catherine Hill in this one As we once again ask How do you evolve over time? Before we start this season four finale I want to give a reminder to you And an invitation to join our amazing tribe Of dope people learning all about The Discover Your Inner Awesome message Building your personal brand and so much more Over at idealemon.com Just enter your email there And you're a part of our tribe You'll never miss an episode of this show Alright alright Let's dive in once again with Katherine Hill, the choreographer, the figure skating instructor, and movement expert. How do you evolve over time? Let's listen in. Last time, we hit
1: on the idea of what it means to constantly to move from student to teacher, and I think there's more to talk about on taking that and, again, flip-flopping between those two roles and finding ways to be both of them at the same time throughout your career, throughout your career change.
0: Well, there it is. <laughs> no, uh, okay. So, what? When have you had that going on where you're either flip flopping or you're having to play both at the same time?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think. So, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that as Finding myself going from a student to, to the teacher role, it's I'm constantly learning from my students. And I think putting yourself, if you're in the teaching position, putting yourself back into the student role in a different context. So not only are you feeling you can learn from those around you constantly, even if they're the ones supposedly formally learning from you, but also while you're holding that role of teacher, go somewhere completely different, try something new out of your comfort zone maybe rapping <laughs> and live on facebook <laughs> <laughs> live on facebook um and become the student so that the empathy you have going into your teaching is is I mean, gained exponentially.
0: yeah i think there is a lot that needs to be i think almost acknowledged or realized from a teacher perspective of what is the student's perspective of this? Because on the teacher side of things, you're always doing that thing. And it's the thing you focused on like forever or for some long period of time. Right. And it takes a lot of effort to step back and be like, if someone was brand new to this, where do you start and how do you get them? like if They don't have any sort of frame of reference or not the same type of frame of reference. I remember a few weeks back, we had a meetup with our class and I had them, I collectively like turned that meetup into let's make a rap song about careers is what we landed on. Cause I asked him, I was like, let's collectively make a rap song and you tell me what you want to rap about. So we landed on, I think uh, it was about careers, but like freedom was what one of the guys said because he was like, I think that's what we're all kind of working towards in this class is our own version of freedom. So, what I had them do, or what I had us all do collaboratively was, I was like, if I'm going to break down how to teach rap, how can I do this in like the simplest way that is still going to get accomplished in the 30 minutes that we have? And what I did was, I said, all right, freedom. Shout out every word you can think of that relates to freedom. Right. And this brought up all sorts of words like, you know, independence, uh, motivation, Um, money like just anything related to freedom as they saw it related to their careers and then from there i just basically had everyone go one by one around the room i was like all right you pick a word and say a sentence that ends with that word and they were like okay i can do that oh and the next person i said all right pick or you've got that word now say something that say a sentence that rhymes with With that that with that word okay and then we just kind of went so, like, that person would do it, and the third person... All right, pick a new word on the board. So say a sentence. Like, Fourth person, rhyme with that sentence.
1: I like when the sky is blue, and then the second person would have to rhyme blue. Yeah, like blue. yeah.
0: Okay. If you ask me, I'll say, I do. Like, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, and what we so. get marriage <laughs> present? <laughs> was just at a wedding. And <laughs> the sky was blue when it wasn't raining that day.
2: And this microphone, anyway. <laughs> so in that
0: process... What was really cool was to see after the initial hesitation how people pick up on it, and then wanting to be like, "Ooh, wait!" Like I wanted that word. Like I've got something good for that word, and then really getting into it. And you know, it was probably 18, 20 lines, however long the whiteboard fits of lines. And towards the end, gamified. Yeah, it really was a way to gamify like learning of some kind. And towards the end, it started to get into. Uh, polysyllabic rhymes instead of just monosyllabic rhymes. And we even had someone uh, throw in like an internal rhyme into the line, uh-huh. which kind of rhymes itself, right? Rhyme. Uh, and as I was going, as I was doing this, what I saw was interesting was um, it went from how do I just get something to rhyme to how do I get this to not only rhyme, but make sense with the previous line to how do I get this to rhyme make sense and be something that's like interesting. That's going to set up the next line too. So, and it, you know, it was only in the progression of, you know, 18, 20 lines that this happened. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, this was clearly a way I could break down material and have it be interesting for people and simple enough to comprehend that they can latch onto it pretty quickly. And on top of that, just from the teacher perspective and having to like fight and understand what is their perspective and where are they coming from? Like there are so many times during it where like they're sitting there being like, hmm, what could I, and I'm like, Ugh, it's so simple. What rhymes with this? <laughs> but I I, but I'm like fighting new. it myself. They're new to this. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, I mean,
1: yeah, it's definitely, they say often that if you, the teacher, you become a better teacher if you're also a student and then vice versa. I think if you're learning something, they say all the time and studying, if you're trying to study some content and you'll be tested soon, the best way to know that you have that content is to teach it to someone else. So I think in whatever context, whether you're trying to change activities, learn something new, or take what you already do and bring it into a different environment, I really think either learning it and then teaching it elsewhere, you become better. Or if you've been teaching for a while, taking that and putting yourself in a context where you're back to the basics Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on that empathy is so much greater because then you won't have that frustration you're like yeah it's scary if I wasn't rapping for all of these years I wouldn't know what to say next either yeah well
0: and it kind of brought me back to like when I first started writing raps like middle school high school and it was very much like Humpty Dumpty like it did it did it did it and that was, I mean, that was kind of like my jump-off point into learning rap was just very basic, monosyllabic, maybe easy polysyllabic, and then from there you just kind of get a little bit better and improve, and then you're like, okay, well now I can, I can use alliteration, and sure. and then that, and then you start to add a whole other layer into it.
2: And, and I think what's really interesting about this is it sort of plays into the idea that we only, we all live in worlds of our own context, right? So like once I've learned something and it's become part of my life, I stop thinking about it. It becomes routine. And we all like, there's there's a lot of things rapidly changing in our culture and with technology and people have access to information now. And so I think it's really interesting because we look around and we're like, how come everyone isn't at the same level of understanding that I'm at today? Meanwhile, you're the one who put in two and a half years of work to understand all that stuff and get to where you're at today. And I, I was listening to a podcast and they were saying like, in the 90s, like using the term gay was standard. Right. Right. Everyone used it. And like um, Sarah Silverman fought for a very long time saying like, no, I'm allowed to use that. I'm a comedian. And then she's like, no, I'm just not evolving with the times. I need to be I, I need to stop being a lazy comedian start coming up with new terminology that fits the new culture Mm -hmm. and the changes that are going on and i think one of the interesting things is a lot of times we pick our frame of reference for the world and we don't want to change it and then that's where you know we kind of stop our own evolution and then there's the other side which is every time something new comes out i'm going to adapt to it and i'm going to move with the times but that's also tough as well because not all information gets to everyone at the same time. So someone who's super proactive in in social justice is going to look at someone who doesn't ever pay attention to social justice as like really behind the times, or someone who's like really forward thinking about uh, veganism is going to look at someone who never reads about veganism ever as behind as backwards. And like this is how we start getting these interesting um, worldviews and these bubbles that we end up living in based off of what are we trying to evolve into and surrounding ourselves with that information.
1: Definitely. I will say um, some of the athletes I work with in their beginning stages, because I've been watching figure skating for my entire life, I have these preconceived notions of what something should look like or what it should be, how it should be performed or you know, in the case of Sarah Silverman, what you should refer something to something as. Um, and it's always really humbling to work with the kids that then often blow that out of the water because they have less control over their body. So then they take a movement you give them and they change it completely and it looks, it looks different and it takes on a different form. And often as you're trying to help them interpret what, I've, what you've given them, you find that they it's so funny sometimes i'm trying to give them something really complex arms moving and and then i realize wait we need to actually work on helping you literally just bend your knees you don't know how to bend deep enough and their knees sometimes don't align with their feet anyone that's done sports, right? You kind of understand that when you bend your knee, it should align over your toe. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I totally understand sports. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, you know, that's like best for your alignment and your joints and your legs. And I've got these little ones that come to me and their knees go in past their toes or out, you know, there isn't that fundamental understanding of a craft or really just safety at that point, Mm -hmm. just trying to sustain safe joints. Um, And so it really, I I think it is humbling to look at something from the perspective of whomever you're working with. Um, And this goes across the board, right? I think that's why it's such a great nugget to kind of talk about is um, teacher and student means mentor and mentee. Um, It means I, it means your superior and someone that's working for you. It can be really any context, any realm, any
2: environment. And it can switch, right? Like, that's the point, um, exactly. Yeah, and, and so like you know, we. I know someone who you know I went to him as an informational interview in college, and then later on he came to us for help with personal branding, and, right. and now we are just like peers talking, and so. It is interesting how that evolves over time.
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things I've found, and I know in the, in the women's realm, like women in business, they talk about this often, but it gets pigeonholed into that column of conversation is the need for a mentor, um, and then also paying it back and investing in a mentee. Um, and I think, you know, as we talk about student-teacher relationship, Often women are reading these articles and they're hearing, find someone that can really advocate for you in business, but um, which traditionally men do more often. But I even think that's lacking recently. Um, and realizing that it's not only good for you, but you have to pass it on. And in doing and going back and forth between those relationships, you strengthen your understanding of what you're doing and then also what you want to do in the
2: future.
0: I think as well to the Sarah Silverman point. Like, I, what's funny is now like I'll listen to some old Eminem songs and like, you know, he'll have like a homophobic lyric, and I'm like, I don't know if I feel comfortable listening to that anymore. Whereas you know, fifth, sixth grade, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is amazing, and I still think he's amazing as a rapper and lyrically and everything. But now, just I guess in terms of shifting with the times, there are some lyrics I'll hear and I'm like. That just feels so weird to be saying that and well, so wrong to be saying that.
2: Even Seth Rogen was interviewed for, um, what, what's the movie? At?
0: The Sausage Party? No, no, no. Oh. So, like,
2: uh, he, he was, he just had a new movie come out he was being interviewed and they were asking, it was, like, about sororities next door. I oh, yeah. I don't remember but the name. Neighbor, I don't know. Yeah, Neighbors. Okay. Neighbors 2. So he was interviewed for Neighbors 2 and they were like, all right, so in this movie there's a lot of, like, um like, taking kind of a shot at sororities for sexism and things like that. Yeah. No, like, but in your own movies, you have a lot of, like, homophobia and sexism and stuff. he's like, yeah, no, I go back and I watch Superbad, and I'm like, oh, we can't do any of those jokes. Like, he's <laughs> oh, like, he's like, it's actually really interesting, because, like, that was, what, 10, 10 plus years ago? Not even. Yeah. Nine. 2007. Uh, and he's <laughs> like, he's like, it just, at the time, no one said that was bad like those were the jokes and now those are not the jokes and it's very interesting it's like happening more more and more rapidly as we move forward and trying to keep up almost is really tough because we're all trying to be you know we're all trying to evolve with the times but there's so much information these days that it's i i get overwhelmed just trying to like keep up with I don't know, any sort of trend. I mean, it's
0: up to you, Fogel. This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the
2: 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. Okay, so what's it gonna be? I am McLovin. And so, um, I think it's really interesting how, like, what sort of strategies do you guys have to kind of push yourself to grow, but also not just completely be overwhelmed all the time?
1: Yeah, because With trying to evolve, we also have discussed the importance of setting habits, and so it's finding the balance between the two because, you know, we've had this, as we've talked, we've had this, like, underlining effort of pushing whatever mission you may have or whatever passion, and in order to do that, our conversations have revolved around, okay, you have to find something, you have to do it, and you do it often, and immerse yourself in it, and try it in a lot of different ways, which is all about habit, Mm -hmm. and making it a lifestyle. Um, And then, you know, here you're saying, but you also have to evolve.
2: Like making change a habit.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of balancing, finding a way to balance the two. Um, And for me, personally, that's been, I have the habit of, I have the habit of, I... Seek out any dance opportunities. I have the habit of listening to music actively um, and trying to find things that I like to choreograph to. I have the habit of experimenting, knowing that on the ice, that is my time to play and carving out time to do that. So if you have some of these like general things that you can ground yourself in, these activities that will never change, but what you're doing within that activity can change, then I think you'll bypass the issue of staying stuck. in mm-hmm. Does that kind of resonate? Yeah,
2: that makes perfect sense because um, it wasn't until we started keeping a metric stock for Idea Lemon that we actually could start seeing the things that were and were not changing. Yeah. And I think that, so like the haven't you formed was... Constantly seeking out new information. And then I think a, a nice thing to add to that is like and track the information that you're currently bringing in so that you have a reference point. Yeah. So it's like Seth Rogen, can't, if, if he never made super bad, he could never go back and say, I made bad jokes 10 years ago, right? It's like, but it's there. It's in stone. It can be referenced. And so he can say, that's where I was. This is where I am today. It's the quantified self. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's the
1: quantified self, which is a huge movement now. We all know it. I mean, everyone's walking around with their Fitbits and their Nike bands. Um, For three
2: months, and then you take it off because the battery died (laughs) or something. And then you (laughs) you give up on it completely.
1: (laughs) So I went to, um, uh, when I was working on this app for figure skaters to track and analyze their skating, their training and then their performance and how they're related um i got really into quantified self and there's a bunch of meetups around the country i'm sure the world um there's so you have a computer community. that's
2: been like installed in your arm to like track everything you seen those i know we're getting no. there we're definitely we're definitely ahead of that way i've got a brain chip it's pretty cool will
0: <laughs> just power you down real yeah, quick yeah. <laughs>
1: I actually had a student once that told me that, a six year old that went, I was talking to him and he went. <laughs> <laughs> he, and he just powered me. down. He powered down. He was like, and I'm done. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, ah. Uh, he and then he kind of moved his so head, he looked at me, he was like, You have to push the button. And you're like, Robot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um,
2: Kids kids have really evolved from the uh They've really evolved from the wet blanket days where they really just go like this yeah. <laughs> you can't pick pick them up. I know,
1: right. Um but anyway, so, the, yeah, the quantified self, I just wanted to mention, um, went to a meetup a few years ago and met this woman. She did a presentation. A friend of mine brought her in. Um, she wanted to lose a large amount of weight, to be honest, and decided she was going to run a marathon, and or excuse me, not a marathon, an Ironman. Mm. Um, and honestly, looking at the photos of, you know, where she was starting from, I, I was amazed that this had... One, crossed her mind. Two, she actually started to act on it. I mean, it was so impressive. And she walked us through the progress she made simply because she started tracking her work. Um, she felt like she wasn't getting anywhere. She hired a trainer, and he asked her to start writing down, okay, what's your mileage here? What are you doing on this front? And she was afraid to because she said, I'm going to feel like I'm not doing anything. You know I am still running whatever it was the 12 minute Mm -hmm. mile or the 11 minute mile um and so she didn't do it for a long time and then after tracking she then was able to recognize all right you know what i shaved off 30 seconds those Mm -hmm. incremental changes Mm -hmm. were everything for her and by the end of the presentation she's showing us how she did the iron man i mean it was like blow your mind awesome yeah um and it was just because of the tracking
2: well and I also think it's the decision, right? So like you said, you looked at the pictures and you're like, I can't believe you made that decision to do that. And if she hadn't one day, if she kept saying like, someday I'll do a marathon. Right. She never would have gotten there, right? It was the fact that she said, I'm doing it and I'm going to do everything possible to hit that. And I think that's what's really insane is the second we say and we put down like we're going to do something and we hold ourselves to it, it happens. And, or at least the percentage of being able to make that happen goes up really high because it's, it's the waffling that I think is what kills progress. So it wasn't until Sarah Silverman was like, all right, I guess I'm not going to use that word anymore that she had to go find new words. But until she said, I'm not going to use that word anymore, she could ignore every other possible word that she could use. and. Until we say we're going to stop doing things this way and we're going to start doing it that way, we're going to keep ignoring all of the stuff we should be doing. Now we're back to the shoulds, <laughs> but we're going to keep ignoring all of this information over here that could really benefit our life. Like she, like all the workout information exists in the world. Yeah. Until you say I'm going to enter into that information stream, <coughs> right? You're never going to You're never going to make that change.
1: What was your conversation? Sure.
2: Oh, just way back in the first podcast, we said, like, nothing, you shouldn't have to do anything. And now it's like, yeah, you should, if you make a decision that you should.
0: Uh, I kind of remember what you're talking about. No, I think it was, is it your should or is it someone else's yeah, that's should, true. right? Yeah,
1: that's Oh,
2: okay.
0: Um, yeah, I think it's also a matter of how much do you choose to immerse yourself in something, which I think tells how much do you care about something. hmm because you can passively enjoy things and that's fine and be okay with that. But if you want to improve at it or whatever, like take basketball, for instance. I last year was playing once a week every week. Uh, it's fallen off this year, but like, for me, it's always been like, let me just go and have some fun and I'm not gonna kill myself if I play poorly. It's like good exercise or golf. You know, I golf with my dad when I'm able to. And for a long time, I would get mad every time I went out on the course and wouldn't play well. And then I like maybe like a year two years ago, I got to the point where I was like, why am I getting so mad? I don't put in any effort to get better at this. I literally come out on the course every time and do the same exact things I did the previous time. So, of course, I'm still going to slice my drive. Of course, I'm still going to overshoot a 20-yard chip beyond the green. Because I'm not doing anything that would suggest I would get better at it. I'm not playing regularly, nor am I looking at how can I improve. Whereas with something like yoga, which I'll talk about a bunch, I like, you know, I go out of my way to keep a yoga notes do- like running document of things I pick up on from the teacher during class, I'll go and write them in my notes document afterwards. Right. Or um you know, if I do something correctly, I will like take mental note of that and I will right. do or things I'm doing incorrectly. Like, there are certain components of that I want to continue to improve on, and I choose to immerse myself in that in a, you know, in a pretty, uh, I guess, severe, not positively severe way.
1: Which is why I think um, going back to the concept of values is really important. So, um, you know, we previously read, referenced the idea of more and more having some sort of purpose or mission tied to your activities could be a really good strategy for a lot of people. And to me, it sounds like for you, there's much more tied up in your yoga practice than health, or which you could get from basketball, um, staying fit, etc. Um, and I think, especially with the demands of our... Daily lives currently, and as as you age and more comes onto your plate, making sure that you have a value set that aligns with that activity is a really solid strategy and one that most people would suggest. Yeah. Um, you know, last time I was saying I also think just saying, "Hey, I want to play some basketball with friends" is totally legitimate and could lead to something awesome. Um, and is a great way to start doing something. Yeah. But if If you want to really, if you have a very clear goal, making sure it's tied to a mission is important.
0: Two things from that. Number one, I think is the clear goal, I think, matters so much. Um, And it allows you, it it enables the ability to immerse yourself. Um, Like for several months, I have been very fixated on, Handstand, doing it properly, and being able to hold it. You know, I've gotten up to like two, three seconds, and then coming back down. But that's something. No, I can't. Um, But handstand and the different handstand variations are what I'm like focused on. Yeah. And I, like, I can do everything, knowing that I'm trying to get better at that. Um, Back in high school with track, I, I would spend nights just studying our practice splits and studying our race splits, not even just mine, but like everyone on the team who was like a premier player more or less. And I knew like my other friends on the team who were running like the four by eight relay, I could tell you exactly like what their splits needed to be in order to hit a specific time. And I knew like what their splits were in practice in the previous race and what they needed to do in the next race. And I would sit there and literally just like speculate for hours on end with some other friends too. About like, if we do these things, we will get that result. And the result we were going for was, um, as a team win sectionals, uh, and then as a team, uh, place in the state, in the top 10 in the state, and then specific relays get top four, which we did. And it's because it wasn't, there, there was no ambiguity around that is what I think was important about that. Yeah. Um, same with, with the yoga stuff. I'm getting tons of like other benefits around it, uh. For whatever reason, I think I just kind of lashed on to like headstands are fun to do and like they're very challenging. So let me focus on getting really good at that. Now, I still work on a lot of the other things uh, heavily, but I do it almost under like the frame of reference of this is going to help me get better at that other thing. So like like Warrior 2, for instance, I still focus on like what's my alignment on that because I know like that is more core than people I think understand it is. And I know core work is gonna help me get upside down easier and shoulder alignment is something I need to work on to do a handstand. Um, So I think having like the clear goal is what really allows you or enables you to immerse yourself. That was the first point. The second point is you will be more willing to accept new information or information perhaps you hadn't thought about or hadn't cared to learn before if it is in the name of something you're interested in. So, like, just this morning as I'm prepping for teacher training, which begins this weekend, I was reading – we have a pre-reading of this book called Yoga Anatomy. Now, I've always been, like, kind of interested in anatomy. But, you know, in high school, you just kind of learn anatomy of the body if you take the anatomy class, which I don't even think is required, which is weird because I feel like it should be required that you know how your body operates. Um, But
2: Food in. Yeah. (laughs) Waste out.
0: (laughs) And what is interesting to me this time around now is this is a book that is talking in these first 20, 21 pages, which I've read, which is giving me the context of like your diaphragm, your rib cage, your abdominals in the context of how does this impact how you breathe during yoga practice? Mm -hmm. So I, so with that context in mind, I'm so much more like into the material and I want to learn it more than just This is what breathing is. This is what the abdominal muscle is. The
2: skeleton test back in high school, where you're just like, I'm naming bones because I have to name bones. Yeah, now compare that to... My shoulder hurts. What the hell
0: is a labrum and why is it torn? (laughs) But, you know, you compare that to like, this is the scaphoid, this is the clavicle, etc., to maybe a third grader who's really into basketball or something, it's like, okay, name all the main, all the muscles and bones involved in shooting a free throw. Now it's something that you, that person, that kid would be really into learning. So that, that I think is super important. Not only just having the goal, but then if you are doing something or if you are involved in something that is, is an interest of yours, you will pull in that ancillary information with much more enthusiasm.
1: Absolutely. Um, Someone told me, um, actually, a very important mentor of mine, the subject of mentorship, um, just recently, and this has stuck with me so intensely, um, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before, the saying of people do things for one of two reasons. They either do things and take action out of love or fear. Um, And you can kind of derive any initiative, any action, any emotion out of those two. Um, And then I recently had someone iterate that and add in curiosity, which I'm still, you know, kind of twiddling with and thinking about. Um, But the fear and the love thing, that simplicity has really stuck with me. And what I'm hearing you display in your interest in yoga and all of the ancillary activities is just it's truly out of love mm-hmm. um, and it, it, it's inspiring to you it's exciting you're curious about what it all means and why it feels that way um, and you're choosing actively to study an anatomy book over go meet your friend at the bar to watch i don't know the NBA final right yeah, sports right yeah, the NBA final, the NBA. <laughs> you go watch the sports, the sports. <laughs> all exactly. of the sports right or anything else you could be doing right. right our time is so limited and you're choosing to read this book um and often when it's something you're doing out of love you're not even actively making that choice you're not weighing the consequences of you know people say that like Fear of
2: missing out thing yeah oh, yeah
1: Yeah. yeah. You, you're not even thinking about that because you're so in you're so excited about it
0: there's more of our conversation with katherine hill in just a moment but first let's talk about the discover your inner awesome Masterclass. carmen is a current student in the program and about halfway through she had this to say about the course what i enjoy most is how the ideas are presented and how quickly you can apply them to your life it's been really useful for applying to jobs and to interviews This class is the best and most fun way to learn how to speak about yourself in personal and professional situations. And Carmen's only halfway through the program, so I'm really looking forward to see what she comes up with by the end of the 10 weeks. If you want to build your personal brand, if you want to showcase your unique voice, if you want to do what you're passionate about, then this is the class for you. It's 10 weeks, you get lifetime membership to the material, you get lifetime membership to a very supportive community of like-minded individuals, and you get to learn from the guys who you've been listening to on this podcast for over 50 episodes. So if you're interested in building an amazing, dope personal brand, apply to join our program at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Back now to our conversation with Katherine Hill.
1: And to me... Finding that thing where you're not thinking about time, you're not thinking about opportunity cost of, if I do this, I'm missing out on this, is the thing that should be driving anyone and should be explored.
0: Yeah. And and along with that is that that idea we talked about before, which is discipline creates freedom. Mm -hmm. If you are disciplined with something, you will achieve your vision of freedom in that thing. But if you have zero discipline, you will never, like you'll forever be trapped. Yeah. Like you don't, I'm trying to think of a good example, but.
2: Well, so I, I, I listened to a couple of podcasts recently um, about grit. And so that kind of plays into the discipline piece. And one of, there, there are two points in that podcast that I thought were really interesting. The first, this is the hidden brain podcast. The first thing they talked about was you can't have grit unless you enjoy what you're doing. So unless you actually like want to accomplish, so like they talked to Olympic swimmers. Yes, waking uh, They said, do you enjoy waking up or do you enjoy practicing for the Olympics? It's like what, waking up at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. in the pitch black and jumping in a pool every day? No, but I love swimming. So you can only have grit for things that you love. And then the point that I thought was really interesting was the flip side of grit and the bad side of grit is basically stubbornness. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you can be really gritty going after this goal, spending all of your time and dedicating every moment of your life towards this. And it might end up not being a good choice. And so that's, I thought that was really interesting because the difference between grit and stubbornness only happens in retrospect.
1: Yeah, so actually I can speak to that because um, a, co- a longtime colleague of mine in the skating world um, and one that I worked very closely with in Colorado is I think kind of the master of what I've watched exactly in that process of helping young athletes move from this goal to thinking of, other paths they may take because right our percentage of olympic athletes to those that are going for it is so small Um, and so i've witnessed this this individual guide many young adults from the grit stage through the stubbornness stage into look at all of the possibilities mm-hmm. better than really any other coach I've watched take young people through such a long evolution of getting interested in something, devoting everything <coughs> you have into it, and then at some point in your life saying, Okay, now it needs to change and evolve into something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and witnessing this this one coach. In so many different ways, take these young people through that process. It's really interesting because everyone has different stages of it. Stubborn grit and stubbornness take different times. Some people move through it really quickly. Um, some people take years yeah. to ha- like plant that seed of okay, I've I've invested everything, and now what would it look like if I'm not investing everything in myself four years from now, or even five years from.
2: Or maybe just reinvesting it towards something else. So like keeping the grit, but refocusing the grit.
1: Right. But that's a scary process yeah. because um, the word grit is so meaningful because it often is correlated with an identity. So if you found something that you love and you pour everything you have into it, and then after a while you realize maybe it's not strategic anymore do this or maybe my passions have evolved or whatever it may be um reinventing your vision of where you can put that energy or that grit is a scary process and it also includes you re-envisioning a identity for yourself so um i i think for a lot of people you know we often talk motivational humans, right? You guys do a lot of teaching. I work in coaching and teach often. Often we talk about initiating that motivation. How do you get started? We're doing, we're talking about that. But sometimes having the conversation of how do you slow it down, reevaluate, we know you're a motivated human. You'll do great things. You need a moment to figure out where to put that energy is really important. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think people need to give themselves that credit I'm I'm great. I'm doing this great. If it needs to move, that's okay. Slow down for a
0: second. Well, a lot of you know, a lot of teaching or motivating, per se, is getting people out of their own way.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Like well, that's then. it's
0: really like once that tumbles, like like that almost is like the job of a facilitator, instructor, whatever you want to call it, is to get people out of their own way. Yeah. Because once once they once that happens, they'll they'll take off.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's it's really it's like you don't have to handhold at that point but when you get them to that point it's like bring the horse to the water and have them start drinking the water and then the, they will continue to drink the water you don't have to keep doing the same base things anymore and it almost becomes more of just like keeping an eye on as opposed to having to do the direct guidance from that point forward
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's um getting people yeah getting people out of their own way I think a great way to say it. Um, also, helping them, kind of nudging them along to multiple visions. Mm-hmm. Um, what would it look like if you did this? Like asking those leading questions. Um, and I think if you can, if, you know, a lot of people can do that for themselves. But if they can't, even just a good friend, mm-hmm. yeah, to ask them those open-ended leading questions of what if. Yeah. What if it looked like
0: this? Yeah, and that's I the fact that they're open ended is key because you have to remove the ability to say no as an answer. It's not can you? It's let's say this happened. What would that look like? You can't say no to that because then you're not answering the question. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: And this kind of goes into the story that you're going to tell yourself as well because I think too often. When we hit a breaking point and we say, oh, no, I have to stop what I'm doing and go find something else, we tend to think we have to shut down everything we've done prior in order to start something 100% new that that has no connection to the old thing. I, I talk to a lot of people who are wanting to quit their jobs and they're just, I want to just leave all of it behind. And You can't. And you can't, like, and nor should you because everything that you're doing if you hate it, it's, it's giving you context for what you should be doing. If you love it, it's giving you context for what you should be doing. Yeah. And if you can connect that story to the old piece, then you can really create a narrative that makes sense. I remember talking to someone who was a drummer in a band, and they toured across America, and then he wanted to go work at a startup being a coder. And he's like, well, I can't talk about that. I was like, the code is the backbone of a company's website, which is the backbone of a company. Being a drummer is the backbone of the band keeping the beats in line. Tell that story and talk about, like, you're so committed to the things that you do that you'll travel around the country in a van with six other guys. Like, right there, you've got compelling stories that explain why you've done what you, you've done in the past, what you're doing today, and where you're going in the future.
1: Yeah, so, and what I'm hearing there is the through line, again, kind of going back to the idea of identity. People latch on to that. And I um, can honestly say I've, I've been through that struggle myself where um, you're doing one thing and you identify as such. And the minute you step into another environment, you don't know then even, I mean, quite honestly, how to introduce yourself. Um, so for anyone listening, I, I mean, that, that is a hurdle that I just suggest getting through sooner than later. Um, I've been in a room where I don't know whether to introduce myself as a choreographer or, you know, I was consulting after undergrad for a while. I was in the business world. And so if I walked into a room and said, hi, I'm a choreographer, people would have looked at me like I was crazy (laughs) or I thought. And now I realize one roles and titles ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. You don't need to latch on to one or the other. Um, I think you can identify different parts of your life in different contexts, and that allows you to feel comfortable to, for example, go to the improv class and and confidently say, "Yeah, I'm a comedian. I love to make people laugh, and I do it once a year on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's enough. That's yeah, fine. It's
2: on my resume now. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. on your resume, so
1: you can do it. You you can claim that title." Um, but the age of business cards and titles under your LinkedIn profile and et cetera, et cetera. Titles on the resume.
2: The resume no one asks for anymore, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: you know, like we're in that age where it, you start to, um, it, it's your comfort zone. Yeah, It is.
2: Well, our online identity starts becoming like, if you are tracking everything, going back to what we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. if you're just if you're just like interested in things and you're reading about them but you're not doing anything with it, it, it's all just in the air and I think it's only, you're only going to be known for the things that you're creating I think is at the end of the day because if you create stuff and you put it online and someone googles you, they will create their own avatar of who you are as a human based off of what comes up in the search results and so knowing that, you have to google yourself and say well what comes up Because I know what my identity is, is that actually coming through. And if it doesn't, then you're sending out a mixed message to people. So, like, if the only thing that came up online when someone Googled me was that I worked at Discover Card. I mean, that was years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, thank God there's some other information in there for them to, we're live streaming. And, like, these these are the things that start to shape who you are so that at the end of the day, it's like you don't even have to worry about which title you go with because yeah. there's so much out there that people can reference that they're gonna pick the piece that means the most to them just like any relationship or friendship you have. Like my friends don't all think hundred percent the exact same thing about me. They have very similar thoughts about me, but one person will be more open with me than another and that's because we have different context around what they're interested in what that relationship is. And so everyone who would Google you, would have a you know they'll pick out the one thing maybe choreography is the most important thing to them that's what they're going to know you as maybe um you know we the the business piece is what's most important so that's going to resonate with them and and so on and so forth i think with that a kind of a telling sign of how you're portraying
0: yourself is take note taking note of how do other people introduce you to people they know um
1: and sometimes it could be the most random story right it could be right. like, oh but that's like a good thing yeah that, like know? hey this is my friend rajiv he's got the cutest puppy or something <laughs> on now. This you something got like, a puppy the puppy guy you know? like, <laughs> but it's so true yeah. right they can introduce you in any way and that shows what's important to them
0: yeah i had a couple of weeks ago i had a friend at my yoga studio introduce me to one of his friends and he was like He's like, I want you to meet Raj. He is the most down to earth, like real, authentic dude I know. And I was like, boom! My, I, I've best managed best to, to do my job well in life. life. If that's how someone's introducing me, yeah. Because it's a good I, thing you made those
2: business cards that said "authentic, <laughs> <laughs> chill dude." <too. laughs> <laughs> they're really working for you, um, but no. I mean, like, they actually, <laughs>
1: made them. they would maybe work.
0: Uh, they're just made out of strips of ice, because I'm a chill dude.
1: Yeah.
2: I I was thinking they were like that paper that you could plant trees, because you're so down to earth. Ah. Or it's the Chris Rock movie. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, but that, to me,
0: I was like, good. I'm like, whatever I'm doing, I'm coming off to people the way that I want to come off to them. I'm not trying to act like someone I'm not, etc. And, you know, it doesn't bother me that he didn't say... He's the founder of this business, Ideal Lemon, because I know with if if he says I'm authentic, real, and down to earth, I can lead in with whatever story I feel works best for that. Whether I want to talk about Ideal Lemon or something else, uh, but like it's like the table has been set for me then to have that interaction with that person. I just got to figure out what food do I feel like putting on the plates. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: For the guy, for the people out there who might introduce me as this jackass I just, <laughs> I just hope they never introduced me to anything. You know?
1: i think this goes back to bring it full circle to the teacher student conversation because if you find yourself in a, in a realm in a whatever industry where you feel totally and fully com- comfortable with owning just one role i think it would be a really exciting experiment to put yourself in a different context where your role may either, either be ambiguous or you're uncomfortable with saying, I am this. Um, and so, I you know, going back to your example of starting improv, I think is a really great one where now you can probably, and I hope confidently say, I'm an improviser. Um, whereas when you started, you were putting yourself in a room where you were like, uh, I'm the, I'm the, the startup guy that now is coming here to. Yeah, it's
2: like getting over the imposter piece.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I you know, I've found that throughout my winding path where even as a kid, I would be the skater that would take dance classes and I would always go, oh, I'm, I'm not a dancer, I'm a skater. I, I'm just here because I'm trying to learn so that I can work on my skating. Um, and I remember the day actually specifically in college, I had then been studying dance full time for two years. And I remember owning for the first time the title dancer. And so many people had been introducing me as that in school. Oh, yeah, she's a dance major or whatever. Um, And I remember the the first day where I was like, oh, no, okay. Yeah, (laughs) I'm comfortable with that.
2: What can we do to shorten that curve, though, right? Like, it was two years of full-time study before you started calling yourself a dancer, right? Yeah. And so, like, I feel like we tend to let that drag for years until maybe we're never comfortable enough saying I'm an artist or something like that. Um, are there ways, I know we've advocated in the past, just immediately is once you start doing something, start calling yourself that. Um, See, I don't know if but I'm working with yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm like kind of gray yeah. on that. So I
0: think, well, it's not necessarily immediately once you start doing it, but almost Because I, I really think if you just do something once and never again, then that's kind of just, and you call yourself that, then it's just like being, like if you went to one improv class and called yourself an improv comedian, I'd be like, okay, I'm a chef. <laughs> I've taken but I'm a only class level more. three.
2: So why? why no, I think it's the fact, three? I think once you've never done a show, once right?
0: you prove so, to yourself that you're willing to continually
2: do something. Yeah. I think it's, it's the fact that you put in the effort allows you to say that. Thing. But this is where that whole imposter thing comes in, because I've never performed a show. And if I don't make it through all the levels, then I've put out into the world that I do this thing that I don't necessarily do. And so I, I, I don't know what the answer is here. Like, is there, it's, you know, once people started introducing you as a dancer, then it started clicking, yes, okay, I can start saying this myself. But there's obviously a way gray area between my first day of trying something and I perform every single night of the week.
1: Yeah, so I think, um, I think the process clearly and obviously will be different for everyone, right? Um, you're talking to someone who, uh, you know, I am constantly advocating for people to dance and they always look at you and they say, they look at me and they go, well, I'm not a dancer. And I say, well, technically I think everyone's a dancer. Just like the conversation we had before, you said, I like to improvise and now I say, well, technically, you improvise every day, right? Mm-hmm. So, to me personally, my personal view is, I, I think opening opening the constraint of what it is, what's required to take on a title or a role, um, I think is really liberating and freeing for a lot of people, and allows them to experiment with different activities. Um, the reason I don't agree with taking something on immediately is because it then diminishes your capability and your strive to achieve yeah. something better with right, you. Right. So I think it's you know, it's a happy medium for everyone, but being aware of that process is really important. When I went through it, I wasn't aware of it. Um, I I knew I was trying to find my way and figure out all of these how these different pieces fit together, but I wasn't actively thinking. Okay, when do I really feel Confident in this space. Um, And then the minute you do, you, you recognize it. But I think if you're trying something new or doing something you've done for a while in a new way, being aware of that process is important. So you can say, okay, I'm six months in, I've been doing it in this way, and I still feel inadequate. I don't think my work is good enough to share. Okay, why is that? Why don't I feel comfortable at a party saying, I love to? Okay, that's something to know. That awareness is, okay, maybe I need to start collaborating with someone. I need to be a mentee. I need to learn. Maybe I need to go to more shows mm-hmm. because I know I'm really good at rapping, but I couldn't tell you who, the who you know, like Tribe is. I, tribe like, called Quest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you don't know Tribe, then you're not a rapper. You know? <laughs> so it's stuff like that. Like where are your missing pieces?
2: Yeah, well... Well, and, so, and you know, I'm a quote unquote not a beatboxer, and I say that every time I'm about to beatbox, yeah.
1: <laughs> right. You you quantify, you qualify. I'm like, yeah.
2: I'm not a beatboxer, but I'm going to beatbox. Well, but so, that allows people to cut you slack, so too, which, is, which is nice. Get ready for this, yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. But, but the expectations
0: haven't necessarily been built up, then that you're gonna like. Do some crazy, right? Like, and don't move your mouth, but sound still comes out. Thing,
2: right, right. And I and I would never say I'm a beatboxer until like one day I'm able to do all those. Well,
0: things. so that brings me to to that question that you asked of when do you when it like when can you place the title on yourself? I think it's the point at which that thing becomes like truly becomes part of your world, and for as long as it's part of your world, you have domain over that thing. So in high school. I could confidently say I was a track athlete. It was part of my every day. It was the focal point of my world. I no longer say I'm a
2: track athlete. You say I'm every single day. You walk into the office <laughs> and say, hey, track athlete Raj here. Just want to say hello. Signing <laughs>
1: in for the day. Uh,
2: I can say Punch now. My card. Why are you punching cards? Uh, <laughs> I'll say now.
0: I used to run track in high school or I'm a former track athlete, but it's not part of my world anymore. So I'm not going to associate and stake a claim to that. Um, Yoga. It only took me about 30 days to say I'm a yogi because it's something I was doing every day. And I had in those 30 days brought in a bunch of people or managed to associate myself with a bunch of people who also do yoga. So it became a serious part of my world and something that, Time and still holds true today. I didn't foresee a I'm going to stop on X date.
2: Yeah, and you'd started growing your hair out too. So, well, so there's okay, that. Yeah, and rec- here we oh, are a year later. Um, yeah. so, but like, like
0: dance, right? Yeah. It's, it's part of your everyday world. And you know people in dance, and you teach people in dance, and you learn new styles of dance, and you think about the music, right? So, I think like. I, I, I think it is, to repeat myself, it is that point where you can confidently say, this is part of my world, not just, this is something I've done a couple times, because then the, I don't think then you can call yourself whatever that is.
1: Yeah, I'd like to point out that I often work with many people that focus on one endeavor um, very specifically and only do that and aim to be the absolute best at it. Um, And I think that's also a valid method. So here we're having this conversation of how do you evolve, which often the three of us like to be multidisciplinary. Um, It fuels us, it seems, that we're very similar in that way Um, to try new things, try something different. How does it relate? How do they connect? How can we then move forward with this new understanding? Um, I do know individuals where it's one path and of course, they're learning from other things, but the goal is singular, and they aim to be the best in the world at this one thing. Um, and that's valid, and I, it's a different approach, but it also—how it, do I put this? I'd like people to recognize if that's within their personality and to give themselves credit for that. Um, because not everyone has to um, aim to know a little bit about everything. Um, And I think some people get down about that. You know, I just ran into a friend on the street, actually, and she's working at a private equity firm, seemingly, like, killing it. And when she heard about what I was doing, she immediately introduced her work. She was like, oh, well, I'm not doing anything cool like that. Are you kidding me? It sounds like you've poured the last four years into something very impressive, and you've been singularly focused, and look at how it's paying off. Mm, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't want people to feel if you're not doing a million things, there isn't, this isn't good. You could be actually doing really amazing work and stay the course. It's yeah. okay, like stay the course, do it, and finish that finish that race even if it's 15 years from now it's
0: amazing i actually it like really bugs me when i'll meet someone and they'll say like oh what i do is boring oh. and i'm like let me decide if that's the case like don't don't put that on me already because okay. when you say next gonna be like yeah you're right it's boring yeah you know I've and, met and someone, they do tell me and i'm like yeah <laughs> right,
2: it is super boring <laughs> <laughs>
0: i met someone a couple weeks ago who and i guess i will i will preface this by saying I think since I do several unique things, it almost puts people sometimes in a position of like, whoa, yeah. like.
1: Chill
0: out. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily chill out, but like, how do I compete with that? Which I don't want people to feel that. Um, but if people ask me about myself, I tell them, you know, these are the things I'm involved in. This is what I enjoy doing. And the girl in response to me, she was like, she's like, well, you know, I mean, what I do is boring. Um, like, basically, like, I. Her job was uh, managing insurance claims for entrepreneurs, like startups, founders and small businesses. And she was telling me everything that went into her job. and she like, she kept smiling more and more as she was talking about all the things she did with her job. Which is so and I was like, I was like, "You seem like you love this." And she was like, "I do. Every day is exciting. I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm not an entrepreneur, but I get to work with entrepreneurs every day. And I was like, so why did you tell me that it's boring if you absolutely love it and are excited by it? Right. And she was like, I don't know. I guess because insurance is supposed to be boring. And I'm like, only if you say it's supposed to be boring.
1: I mean, absolutely. This girl I just met, the world of private equity is so interesting. And I i mean, this is a whole other conversation. I think we could go into like, why are we celebrating? Part three. <laughs> <laughs> why are we celebrating our athletes and our performers and not so many other industries? Right. I do have an answer for that oh. but I, I <laughs> mean it's they shoving
2: it in your face <laughs> yeah, but it's so true right it's like what well, this
1: what your friend was doing or this person you met what she's doing is amazing we yeah. need it and we need the energy that she has that she's devoting to it so. it's
2: like everyone's trying to be the um, the entrepreneur CEO in the world and people on Facebook saw the air quotes Uh, but there are like the percentage of quiet CEOs that just do amazing work and make their companies run and don't worry about PR is super high and they just do their thing and they do it extremely well. And I think, um, this chase the entrepreneurship, um, what's the Quidditch thing? The ball? Yeah. I don't the remember. Snitch. Oh. The snitch. snitch. Chasing the entrepreneur snitch. It sounds dirty. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I uh, it, it's kind of leading people, I think, in the wrong direction sometimes because what you really should be doing, or not, now we're getting into shoulds again, but there, there are so many models of how to work and how to live that aren't publicized because they're quiet ways to live and work. And I think it's, it's, there's a lot of people who just can't do the, you know, in your face CEO thing. And those people don't have examples to look, to look at of the, the quiet person that just gets their job done really well and makes a business succeed. And maybe there's ways to find that, but I think that there are just so many different ways to approach what you do every day that aren't stories that are being told because they're not interesting. In that publicity sort of way, and it kind of leaves a lot of people lost because they all think they need to be running towards this exit when really it's there's seven hundred that you right. can choose from.
1: Yeah, so there's just so many different definitions of when we say evolve, evolving what may be beneficial and um, uh, comforting evolution to you, where you feel comfortable in that that rate and where you're headed, is such a different definition. And the person next to you. Um, and so that's why I think it's important that we throw out all of those models um, because a slow evolution down one road and one path, quite frankly, is what I did the first, I don't know, 20 years of my life. Um, and it paid off and it's paying off and I'm enjoying the work I devoted to that. I'm um, loving every minute of what I can take from all of that. So um, that self-talk, and I know we talked a little bit about the visualization and then um, self-internal rhetoric, is really important because there is a lot of messaging right now around quote unquote interesting lines of work or um, an adventurous self and what that means and show the world how adventurous and fun you are. Um, and that may not be your model, Mm -hmm. and that's okay, but reiterating that to yourself and in a positive manner is very important. And that in itself can be an evolution. I'm doing this thing, and you get down on yourself because you keep doing the same exact thing. And evolution could simply be you don't change any of your habits throughout the day other than your internal model. And now it's the I'm doing this for a purpose. I mm-hmm. want to achieve this five years yeah. from now.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, and I I guess kind of like to to cherry on top that more or less is. Um, I I really think it's important to. Constantly be, absorbing. New information, or I guess, kind of just expanding what you're used to, because. I really think it's hard to evolve without that otherwise. Um, and I, I'm kind of hitting the point here of like my next evolution in terms of, you know, we are going to move Ideal and back to a side business. and
2: Blastoids, Charizard. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm becoming my next Riot Pokemon. You.
0: As I, yeah, as I go into my next Pokemon phase here, um, my thing over the past couple weeks has been like, okay, I got to start thinking of myself as a performer and an entertainer. And I was just... Uh, out with a friend last night and I was telling her, I was like, it's, it's exciting, but it's more scary than anything else. And it's, and I was like, it's only scary because I have never been exposed to this before. So I have no frame of reference for like what this looks like or how to move forward. It is, um, and it's something that you know, like no one in my family has ever done or my culture has ever done to my knowledge. Aziz. Yeah, I guess I'm saying of my own family history, though. And, you know, I've already broken a certain number of molds and now it's like time to break another mold. But it's scary because it is something that is, it's like, it's a completely like brand new way of thinking about myself now. Uh, and just kind of like accepting the fact that, you know, maybe I'm going to be the person who just never has like, you know, but I guess what I envisioned in college is, you know, work at an ad agency, rise the ranks at an ad agency, always having a desk, essentially. Now it's like looking at it as maybe I'm not a desk person and embracing that. And that's where I say like, this is the next evolution of me is now I'm starting to think of like, all right, what are the different ways I can bring performance and entertainment into people's lives? And what are the routes I should be chasing down? So that's where um You know, for this to be an easier transition or an easier evolution or at least something more comfortable is, or it would be more comfortable is if I had had some exposure to artistic based lifestyles growing up. Because I haven't, it puts more like weight and severity on it, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Shall we wrap this one up now? Um, In case people didn't listen to the part one, give the recap again of. where our listeners can find you and what you're working on?
1: Um, Yeah, I um, am a figure skating choreographer and creative movement specialist. I work with elite figure skaters to help them achieve their artistic goals on the ice. So less about their jumping and spinning and more about how they interpret the music. And I work with Corporate teams on bringing creative movement and improv to their collaboration and brainstorming.
0: Awesome. And where can they find you?
1: dot uh, co. So that's K H
0: I L L. Like com, but without the, without the M.
2: Kill.co.
0: Yeah. Killco. <laughs> All right. So now in our part two, let's see if any of our answers have changed. Martin, how do you evolve over time?
2: I think you constantly question yourself and try and push yourself to say, is this really what I believe, what I should be doing? Is this the right skill that I'm learning? Um, and then get to the point where you feel 100% confident to move forward. And then if things aren't working, again, go through that questioning phase. I think when when you're tracking and you're reviewing what you're tracking and the results aren't improving, that's when you have to say, okay, Am I actually working toward the right goal? And if you're not working toward the right goal, find the right goal and then start tracking yourself, your, your changes toward that goal. Because once you find the right goal, you'll start seeing more progress. My updated
0: answer, how do you evolve over time, is always be a student in something while always being a teacher in something. Catherine, how do you evolve over time?
1: Um, I will say, I think I'm going to do a two part answer. All right. (laughs) Three (laughs) whole answers to this question. (laughs) First part would be to gain awareness over your internal rhetoric to yourself, making sure that it is um, positive and aligning with your goals and missions. Um, and then second of all, making sure that you have mentorship and then all are, are also passing on that work and finding a mentee that you can invest in, which then relates to the teacher-student relationship, making sure you're both roles um, and pushing someone else, you'll gain from that, and then learning to push yourself.
0: Boom, part two in the books with the kill <laughs> Thanks for coming back
1: Thanks guys
0: That does it for our part two Conversation and episode with Catherine Hill Catherine, thank you for coming back And having another wonderful exploration with us Around evolving over time Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us Is a rating and review on iTunes And subscribe to the show as well those things together help more people find the show and thus more people can discover their inner awesome for full show notes resources references as well as katherine's contact information head over to idealemon.com we've got them all listed there you know what that also ties a bow on season four of the discover your inner awesome podcast never fear though we will be back very soon with season five While you're waiting, go through our 55-plus episode archive and listen to some of the conversations we've had with some really cool guests. Okay, the music's winding down, so i got to do this pretty quickly. Thank you to all of our Season 4 guests for helping make this show so much fun and so insightful for Martin and I. For Martin McGovern, by the way, today is his birthday. Dude, Martin, happy birthday. You're 28 years old. You're in your late 20s. For him, I am Rajiv Nathan. This has been the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time with season five. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today.
1: Boom, I did it.